Though I didn't know it at the time, I died last year on November 25th, just one day before Thanksgiving. The first indication that I was dead came through the mail in a letter addressed to the Peterson estate from my health care provider. The letter was addressed to my wife Anita and began by offering her condolences for my passing. In the next few days, Anita received letters from Social Security, the State University Retirement System, and an insurance company, all expressing their condolences and informing Anita of her death benefits now that, to paraphrase Hamlet, her husband had shuffled off this mortal coil. A dead man walking, I went to our local Social Security office to show them that I was still alive. They checked my records and informed me that apparently a clerical heir was responsible for my recent demise. After someone with a Social Security number similar to mine had died in Arizona, someone at Social Security hit the wrong button and accidentally killed me. It was a clear case of death by computer. When I asked how the computer error could be corrected, I was informed that Social Security had a procedure called resurrection that would bring me back to life in about three days. So I filled out all the forms and contacted my health care provider, my retirement system, my insurance company, and my local bank to tell them I wasn't dead yet. It took closer to three weeks than three days for Social Security to bring me back to life, but I can now borrow a line from Mark Twain and say that the reports of my death were highly exaggerated. As for Anita, she was relieved by the news of my resurrection, but did keep the death benefit letters just in case. She also thought it would make a great reading baseball piece if only I could find a baseball player who had gone through a similar experience. Undaunted, I thought about Anita's challenge until I finally remembered another ill-fated Pete, the Dodger Phenom Pistol Pete Reeser who played in the 1940s. A native of St. Louis, Pete Reeser was a gifted ball player who seemed destined for greatness when he led the National League in hitting in his first full season. An outstanding center fielder, he was fearless in chasing fly balls and, during his injury-plagued career, crashed a dozen times in unpadded fences and unforgiving walls. He was carried off the field several times on a stretcher and suffered at least four skull fractures. Reeser's most serious collision came in 1947, the same year that his teammate Jackie Robinson crossed baseball's color line. In a game against the Pirates in Pittsburgh, Reeser avoided a flagpole in deep center field then ran headfirst into the brick wall at Ford's Field. Fearing that Reeser had fatally injured himself, the Dodgers and Pirates summoned a priest from the stands to perform the last rites. Reeser miraculously recovered and managed to play a few more years, though he was never quite the same. During that time, he was repeatedly asked to visit a local school for the blind. When Reeser finally asked one of the teachers why he was so popular with the students, she said they liked him because he kept bumping into walls. After Reeser retired and quit bumping into walls, he had a long career as a coach, including stints with the Chicago Cubs when Leo DeRocher was the team's manager. Some who saw him play claimed that he could well have been one of the greatest players in baseball history if ballparks had warning tracks and padded walls when Reeser played the game. Like Pete Reeser, I've bounced back from being pronounced dead and hope to stick around for a little while longer. Everything appears to be back to normal in the Peterson household. Now, if I can only convince Anita to stop wearing black. This is Pete Peterson for Reading Baseball.